Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. I am Jimmy Kemsky from phillyvoice.com. Brandon from bleedinggreennation.com. How you doing, buddy? Jimmy, I'm glad to be here with you on this episode of BGN Radio. BGN Radio 89. Probably probably good to say the podcast name and the title. BGN Radio is the podcast we're on right now. That is the podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, download, all those good things. Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcast. I guess a lot to talk about, Jimmy, here right at the top. The NFL trade deadline just passed. I just stuttered through saying that. And uh, both of you and I did not get traded. How many uh, trade deadline articles would you say you wrote leading up to the trade deadline? Just in total? Like from when? Starting from when? From the beginning of the year. I was going to say, I think, I think it was like 12 on deadline day, which was <laughs> way too much. And uh, burnt Wait, myself on, out. On, on deadline day? Uh, something like that. I mean, maybe they weren't all trade well, I, I write a lot. I uh, am a crazy person. In total, I probably did, I don't know, I had to do at least 30. I think I was only around like four or five. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they were pretty long, rather. But uh, yeah, I feel pretty good about my level of uh, commitment to the trade deadline. Yeah, uh, same. <laughs> it was really all worth it for me, for yeah. me to do all that. Uh, so we can start off with the move the Eagles did make, the blockbuster that everyone was anticipating, the one, the only... Jannard Avery, Jimmy, like how thrilled are you right now that he is on this team? <laughs> you know, I didn't know anything about him when they made the trade, or at least I didn't think I did. And then uh, when I looked at him, I was like, "Oh, I remember this guy a little bit from uh, a couple years ago." But he was a linebacker when he was coming out, and I didn't see him as a fit for this team, so I never profiled him during those. I do, you know, that grocery shopping series where I look at five guys each week. I kind of thought of him, if I recall, as sort of like a 3-4 linebacker that, you know, will go after the quarterback uh, more often than a linebacker would in a 4-3. So I didn't view him as a as a fit in this scheme. Obviously, once he got to the NFL, he was used more as an edge rusher. And um, when I looked at his sacks from his rookie season, of which he had 4.5 of them, he didn't get cheated on any of those. Like those were those were not of the you know luck variety. He he made plays on you know those sacks and and when 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 he didn't, when he made a play he didn't get cheated. And the 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 one play that really impressed me was actually against the Eagles in a preseason game in which uh, Ertz was coming over to chip him and he just knocked Ertz like on his ass and <laughs> and then he bull rushed Lane. Uh, back into the pocket, and he strip-sacked Nick Foles, which the Browns recovered in that, remember that 5 nothing game Yeah, in Cleveland? Vitae got killed that game. The, yeah, well, on that on that same play, uh, Miles Garrett also bull-rushed Big V back into the pocket. 
it was just it was ugly all around on that on that play for the Eagles. But uh, Jannard Avery made like a hell of a play against the Eagles during that preseason game, and I like him. Like I like the player. The problem I have with the compensation, he wasn't playing at all for them. Like he was a healthy mm-hmm. scratch. So like if he were playing and he was having like a similar kind of season as he was his rookie year, well, first of all, they wouldn't have traded him. Um, and, and the and the you know the compensation would have been higher. But if you know if he were playing at all, I could you know wrap my head around giving up a four. But they clearly didn't want him at all. I really want to know how that conversation went because that's <laughs> I, I can't wrap yeah. my head around it. So let's let's like set the context here. Jannard Avery is a what two thousand and eighteen uh, fifth round pick. Yes, the Eagles traded a twenty twenty one fourth round pick. So some and I we can get into this. I don't subscribe to that idea that like okay, just because it's another year in the head, it's equal to a twenty like a twenty twenty fourth round pick that the Eagles gave up. Like that's not the same thing as a twenty twenty fifth this year to me. Like that's yeah. not the same thing. Like that's no. Like <laughs> and even if it, I, I don't understand then how how that was talked up a whole round. Considering, like you said, like this guy was a healthy scratch. He only he's only played in two games this year uh, for a team, by the way, that is two and six. Not a team like lighting the world on fire. It's not like it's a totally stacked team. I like Jarnard Avery from what I've seen from him, and uh, I even see what Jim Schwartz sees in him when he, he's talking about that Brandon Graham comparison. Like when I was watching him, that's who I was seeing in terms of at least his profile, like yeah. physical profile. He's like he's shorter, he's stocky, he's rocked up. Look at his arms. He's like those Brandon Graham kind of arms. I don't think this guy is just like some bum. Like that's not what I'm saying here. But I have no idea how this comes up where where the Eagles are giving a fourth round pick. Uh like how is that conversation going? Is John Dorsey really like, hey Howie, you know, there's a lot of guys calling about Denard Avery. <laughs> like, okay. Right. Who? Like like how like how, how many teams do you think even know Denard Avery like exist? That's just it's so bizarre to me. Like if I had to grade this trade, I, there's things I like about it in the sense of I like what I've seen from him. He's a young pass rusher, only twenty four. He's on a good you know, he's, he's signed through what, like twenty uh twenty two? young player like there's upside in this deal yeah. for sure but if i'm grading this I, i'm i think i'm giving this a, a c minus like I, I think the value was like bizarre here i'm going b <laughs> okay i mean i i i mean i brought up the you know what why should you pay that much for a guy that isn't playing and that's certainly a part of it but once like once once i kind of get past that i look at the player and what he can maybe bring to this team and screw it you know you have him under contract for this year and then the next two years, as you mentioned, he's still young. Why not? I mean, you're not really getting anything from any of the other, you know, pass rushers on this team aside from Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, and Derek Barnett. Oh, by the way, he mentioned Brandon Graham. You know who he kind of reminds me a little, little bit of? And before I say this, I know like on Birds with Friends, they give uh, Bo gives Zach a lot of crap for <laughs> comparing Josh Sweat to Daniil Hunter. So please, uh, I'm not saying that this is this guy at all, but you know, he reminds me a little bit of James Harrison. Okay, I'm going to tweet this out when the, the podcast <laughs> is up that Jimmy, I'm going to like quote this and be like, Jimmy says Denard Avery literally is James Harrison. <laughs> no, I, I preface that. Not to be confused with Jerome Harrison, who the Eagles acquired. At a deadline, a deadline trade one time. Also, kind of a short and stocky kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, on your point, also on you know the future years, like you know, uh, a tw- for example, in this case, a twenty twenty one fourth round pick is worth a twenty twenty fifth round pick. I agree. Also, that that's nonsense, especially for this team. So, you have some franchises that you know need to win immediately. 
to save their jobs. And you'll have GMs make selfish deals like that because they want immediate gratification. That should not be the case in Philadelphia. Howie Roseman has all kinds of job security. Doug Peterson has all kinds of job security. Like there's no reason for them to to think that way. And I don't know necessarily that that's what they were doing in this case, but I do, but you know, just, this is just sort of like a side debate. I do agree with you that, you know, a a 2021 four is certainly not worth, you know, the same as a 2025. Mm Mm-hmm. And from, you know, the perspective of, you know, a fan, they shouldn't think that way either because they're in it for the long haul. Like they're, they're in it for the rest of their lives. You know, they're, they're, right. they're going to root for that team for the rest of their lives. The The value of that four is more than, than the five in the, in the closer up year. Yeah, I, and I, just, I don't even think there is a debate to that. I, I agree. And I just don't see still even still like how the conversation got there. Like the value just seems very strange for me. So, I mean, I guess you would think like the Eagles are really counting on him to like to play and hopefully ideally like play a lot soon, <laughs> like making some kind of instant impact here. Like This isn't the guy you're bringing in like DeAndre Hall last year like, at the beginning of the season for a seventh and then, you know, he, he doesn't even really play at all. Like this is a guy who you're hoping makes some kind of impact. Um, probably maybe more so after the bye, you know, like having the bye week to kind of get more adjusted to everything. But uh, yeah, so Gennard big expectations Avery there. over under snaps this week against the Bears, 7.5. I will take the over just barely. Okay. Like eight, like barely. I think it's like barely, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> Where I think he so. helps you is, is, you know, in those, uh, in this, I mean, not to state the obvious, but he's going to help you on obvious passing downs where Brandon Graham's moving inside uh, to defensive tackle. You have Fletcher Cox on the inside. You have Barnett at, you know, one of the edge rushers. And then I think he can be the other edge rusher. I think you put him in. Yeah. He kind of, he can, yes, sort of. Yeah. That's how I kind of, they weren't getting enough. I thought Josh Sweat has had some decent moments this year. The production just isn't there. Uh, So another thing with the, the last thing I'll say, well, two last things on the Gennard Avery trade. I feel like I have to look at his name every time or re-remind myself that it's not like not Gerard Avery or, <laughs> yeah. or it's Avery Gennard. Like, <laughs> yes. It's such a unique name. Like, What is his nickname? Is it Gene? Um, I guess so. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I think of Gennardis every time I see that too. <laughs> I like was the just going to say that, yeah. That's, that should maybe, maybe he should kind of get in on that. that Do they still exist? I have no idea. I feel like I only know where one is. It's kind of like in Langhorn. Yeah, so the other thing on this is one thing that frustrates me a little bit about the cost too is like, why aren't we just playing Deshaun Hall more? Like maybe Deshaun Hall isn't that good, but like, can we at least see like we, like we have to give up a fourth. They have to give up a fourth for him. And like Deshaun Hall just can't get on the field at all like that. So I don't know. That's just kind of frustrating. In uh, his limited snaps, I think he's been good. He's been like, he's productive every time he plays in very small amount of playing time. Maybe the coaches know more than we do, but maybe not. I don't know. It's just, so that kind of is another factor for me. But uh, looking at the rest of the trade deadline, the Eagles didn't do anything. <laughs> did <laughs> yes, did so how we make Gennard Avery the right happened move. on Monday, and then Tuesday was the trade deadline. And when you, I like I cleared my afternoon to make sure that I was home in front of my computer, ready to go as soon as they made deals one, two, and three. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a tough life, Jimmy. And I just sat around waiting, and nothing happened. Well, was it the right move? Did Howie make the right move? Do you think it's hard to say? Back? I mean, it's really hard to say because I can't really assign kudos or blame or whatever, not knowing what players were available and how much they were available for. So there's for me, there's just too much to kind of um, you know guess on there to really make a definitive statement. 
I do think the bottom line is that at least on that final day, the the roster didn't get better, and that's sort of the bottom line. If there, if it was a quote unquote seller's market, why didn't you sell Big V? Yeah, I agree with that, which is why I wrote it in my notes. Yeah, that's that's one thing I, I don't want to hear. Like people are like, "Oh, it was a seller's market." Okay, fine, fair fair point. Let's say that's true. Yeah, well, then why is Vitae still on the team? Yeah, and Zach Berman made a really good point on Birds of Friends. Um, who I guess we're just like basically a birds with friends commentary podcast, but but um, <laughs> like he was saying, okay, so if you're worried about trading Big V because then you don't have a surefire like backup guard situation because at that point it's Matt Pryor, yeah, Matt Pryor didn't look good in the preseason, but then like why is Matt Pryor here? Big Big, Big V, yeah. Big V did not look good at guard. Neither did he. But then it's also like, okay, then why are you keeping around Matt Pryor then? Like, right. if he's not an answer. Like why are you burning that roster spot on him still in year two of his supposed development? So. Like, I don't think you can just, you know, totally uh, blame that or like you, can, you can't just shift the blame off the Eagles entirely here. And I would say same thing in my criti- like my criticism of Harry Roseman wouldn't be necessarily like that. There was a specific deal you should have gone out and make or, or made like there was talk that Robbie Anderson was going to cost a two. Like, I don't think you really should have done that. Of course not. Um, I wouldn't have even done a three for him. Then these receivers who you have here who are like producing at an abysmal rate are like your Carson Wentz's receivers for the rest of the season. And maybe Deshaun comes back. It sounds like he's going to be back this week. But like, okay, uh, how long is that going to last? It is also being reported that he's going to have to play through pain, and it seems like significant pain through the rest of the year. So how effective is he even going to be if he is on the field? And like, if he's not, then, (laughs) then you're just back with these terrible group of wide receivers who aren't producing at all. Jimmy, you said in your post, it was before the deadline, basically that like they had to trade for a receiver. Yes, I, th- I thought they did. I don't know what, again, I don't know what opportunities were there for a wide receiver and what those costs were. I figured that they could have found something somewhere, but mm-hmm. I guess that just didn't exist. They had to have clearly known that they needed a receiver, right? Right? It almost seemed... Well, so here's the thing. Adam Schefter was on 97.5 The Fanatic, and he was saying that they were all indications where the Eagles were looking more at cornerback than receiver. Oh, Didn't so, seem like that's they, crazy to me. I know it is. Well, it is and it isn't. I think it it's, it is crazy in the sense of like the Eagles are getting healthier at corner. Jalen Mills is back. Brown Darby's back. Maddox is back. Uh, Craven LeBlanc could be activated as soon as this week. It won't be this week, um, but whenever soon he'll Strap will be back soon. But like. Okay, um, you know, Darby not under contract next year. Mills not under contract next year. Um, you don't feel great necessarily about Sidney Jones or Russell Douglas maybe moving forward. If you can get, like, a star impact player, then okay, maybe. But uh, but clearly, like, they weren't going to be willing to pay the price. Yeah, that came, like, and, that came and went with Jalen Ramsey. Right. That that didn't exist anymore once he was off the market. It, it's like how he basically, I think, wanted to see if he could get, like, Darius Slay on the cheap, which you're not going to get. But I guess, like, that's that was his goal, which is, okay, great goal, but not going to happen. But they clearly needed, you're right, I mean, you're, you're right totally that they needed more receiver help. But and forget Aguilar and forget Jeffrey. Hmm. Matt Collins. I wish I could. Is O for October. He didn't have a, he didn't have a catch in October. On um, what, like four targets? Four targets. So like one a game? <laughs> 141 snaps. Four targets, mm. no catches. When he was drafted, he was dra- – and, like, if you look at his special teams tape, it's legitimately incredible. <laughs> like, he's mm-hmm. everywhere. It's like uh, – it's a it's sort of like a grainy all-22 tape. It, it exists somewhere on YouTube. When I watched it, I was like, okay, I get it. I get why they took him in the fourth round. How many special teams tackles 
in his career in the NFL does Matt Collins have? Probably like four. Six. Okay. That wasn't that far off. <laughs> so in a year and a half, he makes a tackle. One out of every, what, like almost four games? Something like that. <laughs> I feel like he wasn't even playing special team snaps a lot, too. Like earlier, there was a game I remember where he barely, he's, he, Jimmy, how about this? Guess how many special teams snaps Matt Collins has played this year? Oof. If you had to guess, what would it be? Or give me a percentage if that's easier. Well, I mean, obviously it's going to be lower than uh, I would think. So let's go 42. 16 points. <laughs> what? What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Why? Why? Because I think they're trying to to lessen his load there because of all those offensive He's not giving snaps you anything anyway. <laughs> I agree, but I think that's like what's going into it. I think that's part of the thing. He'd probably be playing more in special teams if he didn't have to be playing so many wide receiver snaps. But that's insane, right? Yeah, that's crazy. 16, yeah. man, that's, that's crazy. Like He's not going to be on the field goal team. He's not going right. to be on the field goal block team. So you can eliminate those. But he's going to be on the punt team. He's going to be on the punt return team. He's going to be on the kickoff team, obviously. He's going to be on the kickoff return team. He like th- he should be on those four groups. Four core. F- for sure. He should be on those. And I guess he's not. Wow, 16. That's mind-blowing. It really is. So the Eagles are really banking on their wide receiver situation. They're really banking on Deshaun, basically, is what they're doing. And that was kind of the messaging uh, Doug Peterson was really kind of talking about like over and over about how prior to the deadline, like, well, if we don't make a move, you know, we're getting all these guys back from injury. Like that was the selling point. Like we didn't make a trade, but we kind of, we kind of did because we got all these guys back. Yeah. That, like, stop, to... stop. On the wide receiver note, Jimmy wanted to bring this up as a quick aside, obviously okay. you being the comp pick guy. Yes. So the 49ers cut Jordan Matthews. Yes. So basically now the Eagles aren't going to get a fourth round pick in the 2020 NFL draft because uh, of that situation where Jordan Matthews basically has to be on the 49ers roster for 10 games in order for the Eagles to get that pick. Let me just, uh, before before you continue, let me just uh, sort of let the listeners visualize that for, you know, those that aren't up on the compics. So the way the compics work is you get these free draft picks for the difference of players gained and players lost in free agency. So the players the Eagles lost were in the one column. You have four of them there. So you have Nick Foles, Jordan Hicks, Golden Tate, Jordan Matthews. Foles is worth a three, third round pick in the comp pick formula. Hicks is worth a four. Tate's worth a four. Matthews is worth a seven. In the other column, you had LJ Fort, Andrew Sandeo, and that was it. So it was just those two. When they cut Fort, he no longer counted toward the formula. And you just had Sandeo there. So when Jordan Matthews was still alive and kicking on the Niners roster, he Andrew Sandeo was canceling out Jordan Matthews. Now that Matthews got cut and he no longer is, is counts as a player lost, Sandejo now cancels out Tate, who's worth a four again, instead. So by keeping Sandejo on the roster, they're essentially forfeiting what they would they what they I mean they would otherwise be gaining a fourth round compensatory pick. In the 2020 NFL draft. Sorry, continue. <laughs> well, do you think they cut Sandejo? Because this is relevant because this would be the last game he could be on the Eagles roster to get that pick. Before I'm even going to give my justification for it, but even even before all that, yeah, get him out. He's not good. Like, I don't think he's a good player. <laughs> so just get him out. He's, he's not worth in any way, shape, or form a fourth round pick. Now, getting past that, if you add, you know, more reasoning to it, 
you mentioned all the corners and, and such coming back. You have um, you'll, you'll have Darby and Mills starting. You'll still have you know Sidney Jones there, like him or like him or not. You have mm-hmm. Rasul Douglas there. You have Avante Maddox coming back. You have Craven LeBlanc coming back. So when you get all those guys back, I think the better third safety is Avante Maddox. Why not play him there? See what he can do. I mean, you already know what he can do there as the third safety, and I think he's actually a pretty you know. I think it'd actually be a great role for him. I mean, obviously, I think they want him to be the nickel corner first and foremost. I don't know if you're putting too much on his plate. If you're asking him to be the nickel corner and then you're moving him to the third safety role when you go into the, you know, sort of that uh, that that dime package and you have Craven the Blanc come in and play the and play the nickel. But, you know, he's a guy that proved his rookie season that he can play a lot of different roles, assuming, you know, also I think you also have to assume that, you know, he's coming back fully healthy. And, you know, fully aggressive coming back from from that very serious injury. But, I mean, I do think they have players who can replace what Andrew Sandeo was giving you. And, by the way, his snap counts are, have kind of dwindled a bit in uh, recent weeks, whereas he was playing a lot more earlier in the season. Yeah, he's at 42.72 on the year on defense. And he's at 69 nice on special teams <laughs> snaps. But do you think they will cut him? That's the thing. So I asked you if they should. I, I, was, I was leaning toward no. All year, and I've kind of tipped it back a little bit toward, yeah, I think they will. I think they will cut them. I think they should. They should. They have to cut them, by the way, by Saturday of the bye week. Nice. That's good info. I think we can take a break here, Jimmy, and I want to come back and talk a little bit about what can we glean from the Bills game and then kind of, I guess, lead into the, in the Bears preview this week. So we will be back. Back after this. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy-on, easy-off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Back here on BGN Radio, episode 89, Brendan Lee Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, uh, so coming out of this Bills game. Let's glean. You and I were both on the same thought of like, okay, going down at the ship. This team is really disappointing right now, but uh, <laughs> right. there's there's a little bit of hope in there left. And sure enough, uh, they did go out and they beat the Bills pretty soundly. 
they they really just bullied him. Um, they and that's that was a kind of a big takeaway from the game is like the Eagles just like impose their will. How much do you think? I guess that is sustainable. This this format the Eagles seem to be going with here, where it is about running the football. It is not about having Carson Wentz carry the team with his arm. Uh, I don't know. If, did you see these numbers, Jimmy, from Shilkapadia? I did not. About the run game. The simple dumbed down version is that the Eagles are running way more than they ever have in like one score games. That's not surprising. In the, in the Yeah, I mean, that's I have eyes. <laughs> but yes. go ahead. Continue. I, I am interested in hearing the numbers. Like how what is sustainable basically about coming out of that win? Because that's kind of my thought. Like it was a, it was a great performance in the sense of like a lot of things went well. They won, obviously. But like how much of this is actually and I kind of even saw you allude to this. It's in not sustainable. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the yeah. problem. But well, I don't think nothing is sustainable. But like, so what is and what isn't sustainable from the wing? Well, okay, so that style of play for what the Eagles roster is is not sustainable. You're not gonna you're not gonna come out and you're gonna you're not gonna run the ball over you know every team that you play. And I don't even think they really did that necessarily against the Bills. I think you know the run game was obviously working, and they got the big they got the big run from Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard ran hard and. There, there wasn't anything special that Jordan Howard did in that game. He just ran for tough yards. It was a very old school kind of game. And I thought those weather conditions were very favorable to the Eagles yes. because it minimized the importance of the wide receivers and the corners, which is where the Eagles are at their weakest. And it, you know, sort of put the emphasis on the offensive and defensive lines where the Eagles were very clearly stronger than Buffalo in that game. And it also put it on, you know, I, I think it also, uh, the importance maybe was a little bit, you know, lessened at the quarterback position. But at the same time, I really trusted uh, Carson Wentz to make better decisions uh, in that kind of environment than I did Josh Allen. So uh, really, I thought those conditions were very favorable to the Eagles. When you look at the two, the two biggest um, or the two most impressive wins for the Eagles this season, it's the road win over Green Bay when they had their run game going, and it's the road it's the road win you know here this past week over the Bills. <sighs> a rushing offense, the way that they've you know the way they won the, those two games was they had their run game going. I think that's fine for some teams. Like if you're the if you're the 2000 Ravens and you're running it all day with Jamal Lewis, and then you're just playing amazing defense, then sure that'll work. If you're the Seattle Seahawks of recent years where you're just running it with Marshawn Lynch all day and you're winning with your amazing defense, then, yeah, go for it. If you're this Eagles team and you're running it with, you know, Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard and then, you know, drive stall, but you may have taken a lot of time off the clock or whatever the benefit of that is, you're turning it over to that defense that is basically just been destroyed all year aside from you know, this game here where the conditions were not at all favorable to throw in the football and against the Jets where they were basically running out of high school offense. Like, I don't think it's sustainable really at all. And I don't think, I mean, while the Eagles said that's sort of the formula, I don't... The recipe. The recipe. Uh, I don't believe them. I don't believe that they believe that. I mean, certainly the, the rushing numbers are way up this year, but I think that's probably just an astute realization by Doug Peterson, that their receivers are terrible. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just kind of the way that they've played um, with the two tight end sets and whatnot. And they've just gone run heavy because they, you know, aren't, can't, whatever you want to call it, make plays. So I think the way the Eagles invest their resources would certainly suggest that's not how they want to run their team. I mean, <laughs> you trade up for Carson Wentz with a ton of picks. You yeah. give him a $128 million extension this offseason. 
your head coach is a former quarterback. Like, I think this team wants to pass the ball, sure. ideally. And obviously, they've been without Deshaun Jackson, so I think that has factored in. I think the just the receivers being totally unreliable at all, that's definitely a factor into it. So maybe we'll see an uptick here with Deshaun supposedly coming back as soon as this week. They have to. Like, they have to. This team has to get better in the passing game to win games. They just have to do it. Like, And, and also, they just should do it. Like, you, you paid Carson Wentz all this money. Like, let him carry the team at some point. Stop, you know, like, take the training wheels off. It feels like they've really been on him this year for, like, I don't I don't know why. Uh, and as a Carson Wentz aside, Jimmy, I want to mention that the interceptions with him, uh, I've been thinking about this for a while. All of his interceptions, I think, are pretty explainable this year. Uh, the first two came in that Falcons game, and it was like where the offense, you know, just totally got, like the, the game plan got thrown out the window, like minutes before kickoff, seconds before kickoff. Yeah, you lose Goddard, Deshaun, and Alshon. Right. And they both happened in the first, ha- first half of that game. First quarter. First quarter. Yeah, so like... I think I, I give him a little bit of leniency there. And the interception again against the Vikings, I mean, they were down. They were clearly out of the game. He was yeah, pressing, there's, there's desperation mode. Same thing with the Cowboys. And same thing with the Cowboys. So, like, he's done a really good job. <laughs> that. And then also, like, knock on wood for Carson's sake, but fumbles. Like, he's not really – he had the fumble against the Bills. He was very fortunate kind of, like, to fall on it right yes. away. But as a whole, this season, you know, that was a big issue for him in the past, fumbles. So, yes. he's also gotten really better at that. So, I think he deserves a lot of credit for that uh, this year. And – so, Doug, like, let him throw the ball more. And it's kind of weird because, like, I think there's different theories out there. Uh, we kind of discuss some as as why they're passing so like less. And some people are like, oh, it's because Carson Wentz checking into runs. I don't think Carson Wentz is always checking into runs. Yes. Like, what what quarterback doesn't want to throw the ball? Right. <laughs> I think right. Carson Wentz wants to throw the ball in every play, if he could. It's just weird. It, it is weird. Now, I, I guess my optimism, uh, my gleaning from the Bears or the Bills game, uh, something I can take away is that the trenches are playing better. I think I, I think that's definitely something that this team can be, be feeling good about moving forward. The defensive line, especially, I feel like the pass rush is starting to come on here. Uh, obviously, the Jets game skews the numbers, but like just recently, more recently, it seems like they're they're doing a better job of getting pressure, uh, feeling better about that unit, especially Fletcher Cox. Like that was that was, that itself might have been the biggest takeaway from the Bills game. The fact that like Fletcher Cox is looking dominant. He now has two strip sacks in his last two games. He's looking healthy. The Eagles might potentially be getting Timmy Jernigan back. He was a limited participant in Wednesday's practice. Like, if you can get him going, uh, Fletcher Cox, and you get, like, Jernigan back, like, okay, like, this, you you could, you could, and then maybe Jannard Avery comes in, kind of makes a difference. Like, this defensive line, I think there's, there's more hope for them than we maybe thought at the beginning of the season. Yeah, and BG has come along, too. Um, yes. I thought he got off to a slow start uh, this season. After the first month, it was kind of like, uh, well, is Brandon Graham just not going to be good anymore? This past month, where, where you know Matt Collins had the O for October, Brandon Graham had a great October. <laughs> so uh, he's the anti-Matt Collins for October, I guess. How did the scene go in the locker room with Brandon Graham wanting that strip sack counted as a strip sack? Because it was just not, it was just a, a forced fumble on Josh Allen, which was the turning play of the game. Yeah, so I I went over to he was already being he was already being interviewed. And I went over. It was only like uh, I think there was just two or three other reporters already interviewing him. So I went over and uh, he was talking about his sacks, and I said, "You realize you only got one sack, right? Like they didn't count the the strip sack, or what you think was a strip sack as a sack. It it was just it was a designed run. They they called it." 
And he's like, and uh, he's like, yeah, I, I heard something like that. <laughs> and then he's like, he called over one of the Eagles PR guys. He's like, he's, uh, what did he call him? Uh, big man, maybe. He's like, hey, big man, <laughs> get over here. Not a big man at all, by the way. He was calling him big man. He, he calls him over and there's, a, I like, so I wrote about, uh, you, I mean, you're mentioning this because I did write about it. There was a lot more cursing than I like uh, put in there. <laughs> But I love BG. Like he's got the best personality of any player on that team. But he was, he was like, "You got to send it in the league." That was a strip sack. He got <laughs> pressured and he ran. He's like, "That wasn't a design run." And I'm like, "I'm sorry, man, but that was pretty clearly a design. <laughs> That's pretty clearly a design run. They're not, they're not going to give that to you." So he was a little mad that uh, that it didn't count in the stat sheet uh, as a strip sack. So he stuck on um, four sacks. I think he, you know, he he wanted to get to ten sacks this year. Yeah, and that if they gave him that sack, uh, he'd be on pace for that right now. But he's stuck on four right now. But, and he but had, I think he he is on pace for his most ever. I think at this point in his season, I think this is the most he's ever had in okay. a season. But uh, yeah, he's really turned it on that strip sack or the the strip of Josh Allen on that design run really kind of turned that game around. And I mean, he had a sack late, but he's been really good the last I'd say you know four or five games and. That's a big help. And really, it kind of got jump-started when they allowed him to rush a little bit more from the inside. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we know what happened when they moved him inside in the Super Bowl. Uh, but, yeah, he's he's still a good player. He can still play a little bit. Uh, and with him, a much better Fletcher Cox than we saw the first month of the season. I think Derek Barnett is even starting to pick it up maybe a little bit. You mentioned Jannard uh, Avery. Uh, Timmy Jernigan maybe coming back. Yeah, I mean, I think the pass rush, A, has legitimately looked better, and the arrow is still, in my opinion, still kind of pointing up. So that's, that, I would agree with you that, you know, of the, you know, we've gone through the Eagles' biggest concerns on a couple of these podcasts already. The defensive line and the pass rush in general is maybe starting to come off of that list a little bit. Would you say that Brandon Lee Graham has the best initials on the team as well? <laughs> is it Lee? Is, is, I know it's, I know he's BLG, but is it also Lee? It is. I asked him this at the Super Bowl, leading up to the Super Bowl. Oh, so what, what, what does it say on Wikipedia? Does it just say L or does it say Lee? It says Lee. Brandon oh, it does. Lee okay. <laughs> and I asked him and he said, that's true. It is. <laughs> so there you go. I don't know. So uh, like, I don't know if uh, I'll just tell a very quick Brandon Graham story. Like he was very well known for blocking people on Twitter. Oh, yes. And um, during, Early in his career. Like you asked any you know heavy Twitter user, Eagles fan, at that time, whether they'd been blocked by Brandon Graham or not, more than likely, yeah, they were. I was. <laughs> I was too. <laughs> and I think most of the other writers were as well. I talked to him about it during the season. About, you know, I was like, yo, unblock me, man. <laughs> like, I don't even know what I said about you. Like... I've been mostly pro Brandon Graham my my writing career, and he's like, no, I'm not blocking. I'm not unblocking anybody. And I said, <laughs> all right, how about this? If uh, you win this, this is when they were rolling, by the way, in, in like the middle of the season. I said, if you guys win the Super Bowl, I get to go into your Twitter account and unblock everyone that you blocked. And he goes, all right, fine, done. So when they were rolling, and you know, all through the playoffs, I was reminding him each week. I'm like, you remember what you said to me, you know, mid midway through the season. And he was like, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, go ahead, yep, yeah, if, if, if we win it, it's all you. Sure enough, they win. And then, like, a few days after the Super Bowl is over, they had, like, their, quote-unquote, locker room clean-out day, which is usually, like, a very depressing day. 
<laughs> like it's very like all the players are kind of like mad or like you know sullen or whatever when when they're cleaning out their locker for the season. But obviously, in this case, having you know just won the Super Bowl, it wasn't like that at all. Um, so I go up to him and he was ready, and uh, he typed in his he typed in his his handle and his password on my computer, and I went into his account and I actually like. I knew there was going to be a lot of people like there's no way I was going to be able to go like one at a time, like unblock, 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 because it would have taken me like days. So I figured I like looked into it and I knew how to like do some fancy schmantz way of like unblocking hundreds of people in like one shot. So he let me into his account a couple hundred people at a time. I was unblocking and it, t- it still took me like more than an hour like I spent, <laughs> I spent the entirety of our locker room cleanout day access unblocking people out of his account. Like mm-hmm. he, it was, it was, it was tens of thousands of people that he had blocked on Twitter. <laughs> like I would probably estimate it somewhere around twenty, thirty thousand people, maybe forty. It was just an an absurd number of people that he had blocked. Now, what also happened, like when I was unblocking him, because I did it through like this weird back end way. Like with all this, like with code, like I don't even know how to describe like what what I did, but what it did was it also followed like a ton of people for him. Yeah. <laughs> so not only were uh, not only were people getting unblocked, but they were also getting followed at the same time. I think what what would happen was when I unblocked people, it also followed them. But Twitter doesn't let you follow more than a certain number of people in a day maybe mm. or congruent to the number of followers you have there's some kind of formula with that i don't know but anyway all of a sudden he was you know he was following i don't know like five six hundred people or something like that and then after i was through with it he was following like you know it's they're still there like l- let me look them up real quick on twitter let me see how many follow people he's following well i figure kiss can cut it down nah it's okay leave all this up this is good okay <laughs> okay so he's following Four thousand one hundred and eighty-seven people right now. <laughs> <laughs> Up from you said like five, like, like five or six hundred people. So like not only were people getting unblocked, but he was following them, and you know because he's got a check mark and because he's you know a prominent person on Twitter, like people were getting alerted, like it, it was showing up like as an alert for people that he had followed them. So all like all of a sudden, like all over Twitter, people are tweeting like, "Oh my God, Brandon Graham followed me." <laughs> <laughs> it's like, no, he didn't. I did by accident for, for him. Sorry, but <laughs> but everyone was unblocked like that. I did a yeah. I did the uh, the Eagles fan base a, a huge service by having Brandon Graham unblock everybody. So you're welcome, everyone. Thank Jimmy. Uh, takeaway there being Brandon Graham is the man. Good guy, yes, very good guy. So getting into this week's game, Eagles versus Bears preview. Uh, you, we have the Eagles now at four and four here. Bears are three and five, coming off three straight losses. Their most recent loss being a total cowardice thing uh, effort, uh, if you can even call that. From you will from Matt Nagy. Dumb, who, it, I believe. It, it was not cow- just dumb. Well, it was yeah, dumb. There, there was some cowardice well, there too. Well, he, it was cowardice in the sense of like he didn't believe in his players, basically. Right. Like, and and that was the messaging. He was like, uh, "What was it, Jimmy?" It was the sense of like, so the Bears had a chance to basically, you know, um, uh, win the or, or get closer, get a closer field goal than the 41 yarder they ended up taking at the end of the Chargers game. They're on the Chargers uh, like 20 and they, they there had what, were like 40? 40 something seconds left. Chargers didn't have any timeouts left. So the Bears just knelt it and bled all the time off the clock, called a timeout and they kicked the field goal. 
instead of you're trying to get more yards and making an easier field goal for their kicker. And by the way, it was windy too. So, mm-hmm. you know, th- those extra yards would have helped. So go ahead, continue. And just the fact that, you know, you, you have this kicking issue in the back of your head, <laughs> knowing right. that even short attempts aren't always guaranteed. Uh, and sure enough, you know, they don't, it's, they don't get a closer field goal and Eddie Pinheiro, uh misses the kick. 41 yarder, and now the Bears are five and or three and five. They've lost their last three games. They're three and four. Three and four. Sorry, um, that's right. They did have a bye. Well, hang on. Before we move past that, so he got asked about that too, and his yeah. explanation was, they said, "Well, you didn't want to throw it. You didn't want to throw for you know, get some more yardage." And he said, "Well, what if you get sacked? What if you what if you throw an interception?" <laughs> and then like, well, okay, well, did you maybe want to just at least run the ball? And he was like, "Well, when the defense knows you're going to run it." You're gonna lose three or four yards. <laughs> no, you're not. But it's crazy that you every just time, decided, yeah, you know what? A 41 yard field goal is good enough. That's that's fine. Mm. We don't need more yards. Also, um, uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I'm just gonna do it anyway. Uh, Zach Berman said that he talked to one of the Bears writers, and um, the Bears writer said that um, not only. Did they kneel it, but they didn't even put it on the preferred hash that Pinero yeah. would have preferred. So they were on I the left. That. They were on the left hash. Oh, that, that's actually out there? Yeah, the kicker said he wanted it to, to be in the middle. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was on the left hash. And I think a lot of kickers actually like that normally. But um, the wind was going right to left. And if you watch that kick, that's the way the ball went. It went from right to left, and it missed wide left. Um, whereas in the middle, you know, you're kicking it dead on, or if you're kicking from the right hash, you kind of maybe, uh, account for that draw a little bit or the hook or whatever. So like, he didn't even bother to ask his kicker whether, you know, what hash he wanted it on. So but we actually had a uh, conference call with, uh, Nagy today. And, uh, I asked him if analytics played <laughs> any kind of part <laughs> in that diary. You know, I already knew obviously it didn't. But I, I asked them if analytics played a part in, in um, you know, like, did, did, did they consider that in any way when he decided to kneel it as opposed to getting some extra yards? And uh, his answer was, you know, we don't really use analytics like a lot of other teams in the league do. So ugh, good luck to that fan base. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Bears fans. Not not really inspiring, I would say. Also, no. just, again, the messaging was terrible. It's like you basically you just don't trust your players. Like that's part of the. I think football guy, quote unquote, reasoning into what some of the stuff Doug Peterson does that is analytically driven and that how he can sell that to his players. And that's what the players talk about. They're like, Doug trusts us to get a first down when it's fourth down. Like, I think that's huge. I think that's important. I think that makes players want to like play for you and like be like, wow, our coach believes in us. Like, let's go justify him. Like, let's not make him look like an idiot because then like that's not going to be good for any of us. So Nagy is a coward, basically. 2018 head coach of the year. Very dumb. Getting into the matchups here, Jimmy. Start with the Eagles' offense versus the Bears' defense. Bears have a really good defense. Um, second fewest points per game yep. allowed this year. I believe fourth or so, third, fourth in in yards per game. Uh, very good unit there, despite losing Vic Fangio. I thought they were going to fall off a little bit. I did too, uh, and they have, Vic but Fangio. in a, but in a different way. Yes, but they're still very good. Um, yes, you know they bring it. Uh, they bring in Chuck Pagano. He's doing a good job seemingly like, running that unit. And there's obviously just a lot of talent on that unit still, even though they, they had lost some of it. Um, but really good. So 
one of the biggest matchups that you highlighted, Jimmy, in your matchup column for Philly, Philly Voice. I always say Philly Voice. I don't know why I said that. Philly Voice was Khalil Mack, and I think that's I think that's a good place to start. Yeah, this. it's a pretty it's a pretty obvious uh a pretty obvious place to start in my opinion. <laughs> Especially going up against Andre Dillard, who has shown potential. Khalil Mack like is in awesome. these two games. He is, and he's also very strong. And Andre Dillard not so great with the bull rush. I I forgot how how good Khalil Mack was in that Eagles Bears playoff. Like he was kind of quiet for the first three quarters or so of that game, and he didn't have a sack. So I think when people look at maybe the way that yeah, if you just do some like stat sheet scouting, um, it looks like maybe he he didn't come to play that day. He was incredible in that fourth quarter. Like he was mm. all over Nick Foles on their two final drives one of which they scored on to Golden Tate uh, at the end there. But, I mean, he was all over them. And from from both sides, too, by the way, like, it was uh, – I forget the number of times. I, oh, I guess I wrote it here. I mean, uh, he lined up on uh, Lane Johnson's side in that game uh, 24 times, and he lined up on Jason Peters' side 35 times. So I think they probably liked the matchup of him on Peters maybe a little bit more than they did against Lane Johnson – who had kind of mm-hmm. shut him down the previous year when Mac was still playing for the Raiders, and they right. still they still move him around like you mentioned they have the new defensive coordinator, but they still do move him around quite a bit, and I think they would be absolutely crazy if they didn't have him rushing heavily against you know the rookie uh, over a guy in Lane Johnson who has some you know legitimate experience going up against Cleo Mac and has had far more success than, you know, sort of the, the other guys that Mac has faced in his career. So how are you attacking the Bears, Jimmy, if you're the Eagles? Is this the Jordan Howard revenge game? Is Deshaun Jackson being back make worlds of a difference? Getting back to the point that, not the point, but getting back to the whole debate on, um, I know, what was it? It wasn't formula, it was what? Recipe. The recipe. That's not going to be the recipe when Deshaun Jackson comes back. Like they're not it just, shouldn't be. They're not just going to keep running the ball into the line all day. Like they're not going to do that. I, I I think they're they're going to open it up again, and not just to Deshaun, but Deshaun opens everything else up for the rest of the guys that don't have any speed in the, in the short to intermediate areas of the field. So I think you're going to start throwing a lot more in the first three games that Andre Dillard has gotten the majority of the snaps. You know when he came in in relief early. Uh, of Peters against the Vikings, and then uh, his first start ever against the Cowboys in this past week against the Bills. The Eagles just left him on an island to kind mm. of fend for himself. And, I mean, you can't do that against this team. You just no. you just can't. Like, you got to help him against Khalil Mack. There's no way that they can just let him – they can just say, all right, good luck, kid. <laughs> here's, the, here's the best pass rusher in the league. Shut him down. So I think they have to devote – added resources to giving him help. And the Eagles really didn't give uh, Peters and Johnson that much help. They gave him a little bit of help in that um, in that wildcard game last year. But for the most part, those guys were on an island against Mac, And they did some things, I guess, like moving the pocket and that kind of thing. We're just going to slow him down a little bit. But there were plenty of opportunities for Mac to kind of get one-on-one opportunities against Peters and Johnson. And you just, you just can't allow him to have that against Dillard, who, as you mentioned, has struggled against the ball, against the uh, bull rush. But, you know, when you start to overcompensate over, you know, maybe kind of anchoring against the bull rush, that's when a speed guy like Mac can just 
kind of blow your doors off and make a huge play, get a strip sack, and kind of turn the game around. So that's the first thing that you have to worry about, obviously, if you're the Eagles. But if they get Deshaun back, then it's going to be more of a passing attack, in my opinion, as opposed to just kind of, you know, ramming your head against the wall against the Bears defense. It's also very good against the run, by the way. Uh, Bears defense actually 13th against the run, so maybe not as in DVOA. Not amazing in terms of that sense, but yeah, they... I mean, they're they're a good defense, obviously. They're, they're a good defense. No, what can you say? Uh, good defense. Um, they are a good defense. I think Desha- getting Deshaun back is huge for this offense, assuming it happens. All the reports have been positive on that in terms of like Howard Eskin, John Clark are, are both saying he's probably going to play. Deshaun was limited in practice on Wednesday, which is his first practice since getting hurt. So things seem to be trending in a good direction. Again, the question to me is like, okay, is he actually going to be as effective as he was in week one? Because if he is, um, I don't think he's going to be torturing this bear secondary all day by any means. But I mean, he, he probably is at some point if he can, and, and that's going to be huge. I think it will just having him back there. His mere think, presence keeps the defense honest. I think it will open up some stuff underneath, and I, I do really do like just getting him back. I, I believe it is simple as that to some extent, like that it instantly helps this offense. So, where, where do you stand on allowing him to get as much rest as possible? Like maybe maybe bringing him back a little too early. I mean, I, I think they they really need him out there. So, like these wide receivers are so abysmal that like if he can be out there, I'd like to see him out there. And I think it's an interesting thought of like, okay, let's see him out there and then let's see how he responds. Because I, I think that's always a big thing with injuries, not only getting the player back, but then like putting him out there and seeing how they respond to that injury. And if Deshaun's feeling good, okay, let's see how this goes before the bye. And then you kind of, you'll get a week off to kind of be like, okay, now where is he at after playing through a game? I feel, like that's, kind of, I feel like that's kind of like the contrarian take there. Okay. I, I feel you like just, what, I, what I've seen the most of is people saying, just let him get, let him get healthy. Give him the extra week. Like don't, don't play him against the Bears. Let him have the extra bye week, and then you bring him back against the Patriots. Which I don't. Yeah, you know, Dan Posner said that. I don't know if I totally. Uh, I don't. I don't totally disagree with it, but I've leaned toward more agreeing with you because you look at the difference between a win and loss in this game. You win this game, you're five and four, and you're heading into the mm-hmm. bye feeling good. Depending on what Dallas does, at a minimum, you're still only a half game back of them. If they lose, and you're ahead, so. Um, you head into this game, or you, you you know you lose this game. Now you're four and five, and you're looking at the Patriots on the other side of your bye. You're probably going to be four and six, and now you got a gigantic hole likely to dig out of with you know the with another. By the way, another tough game coming up in the Seahawks at home. So the importance of this game maybe kind of flying under the radar a little bit because they just survived sort of a quote unquote season saving game in Buffalo. But this one is every bit as important as the one last week, in my view. Yeah, I agree with that. I also think Deshaun, um, like, how much is that extra week going to make a difference? It sounds like he's going to have to play through pain this year either way. Like, if he thinks he can go, give it a shot. Like, I, I would like to see it. And then so, if he does go, you still have the buy for him to kind of lick his wounds right. for whatever happens to him in this game. So I think it's worth testing it out um, and kind of seeing how it goes and then going from there. Especially depending how the game goes, they might limit his, his snap count and everything. We we'll see on that front. Doctors um, Gouton and Doctors Gouton and Kemsky. Yeah, that's all you really need. To, <laughs> you don't actually go see a real doctor. Just come to us. Um, that, that's totally same thing. So uh, Eagles defense against the Bears offense. Yeah, is that where you're? So I think has, yes, I okay. think it has to start with one man, um, a man who likes to kiss things. Uh, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky. 
<laughs> I'm not going there. Who <laughs> has thrown uh, a football? Is obviously I was talking about uh, has thrown five touchdowns to three interceptions this year. He has an 81.4 pass rating, which ranks 27th out of 33 qualified quarterbacks. Jimmy, Mitch Trubisky's touchdowns, five of them this year. Do you know where they all came from? Like, do you know where these touchdowns occurred? I do not. I do. I do not. So three of them came against a one and seven Washington team. Okay. The other two came in very obvious garbage time. I don't know if you saw that game. The Bain, uh, the I did. So Saints when I game. looked at Allen Robinson, I saw that one of them came against. Who did they get blown out by? Was that Minnesota? The Saints. Oh, the Saints. That's it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Those. Both of those. Both of those touchdowns in that game. Like his. his oh, there are two of them. Two, yeah, two of them in that game. Then. Yeah, it looked okay. way better than they should have been because yeah, yeah, he was yeah. just racking up garbage time <laughs> yards and touchdowns. Right. So really, like he's thrown three non-garbage time touchdowns this year, and again, they all came against Washington. Now Carson Wentz had four touchdowns against Washington, so you know they still count. But the point is, like he's not really playing at a high level at all, especially against quality opponents, um, and that's kind of a big issue for the Bears. I've I've never been a Mitchell Trubisky guy. I've always been skeptical. I think I was talking to you about it on this podcast, Jimmy. I've said it like many times in the past where I can clearly remember his first game when he got in against Minnesota in that 2017 season. Yeah. And he looked at the sideline after every single play. Like, he looked lost. Like, he didn't look like he knew where he was. Like, Carson Wentz never looked like that. Like, Carson Wentz went in there, first game against the Browns. Like, he was in command. He looked like he had been there before. Mitchell Trubisky had looked like he had no idea what he was doing. And now, in year, what, three or whatever it is for him, he still kind of looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. There was a stat that came out after uh, Dwayne Haskins got drafted about... I guess uh, the last 100 quarterbacks that got drafted in the first round that had fewer than X number of starts, I want to say it was like 15 maybe, uh, only four of those 100 quarterbacks drafted in the first, uh, only four of the last 100 quarterbacks in the draft that, that were drafted in the first round, that, that would that they would apply to that. So the four guys off the top of my head, I think were Cam Newton, and then it's real ugly after that. So it's uh, Mark Sanchez, uh, Mitch Trubisky, and then, of course, Haskins. I think Sanchez, you know, certainly uh, didn't seem ready for the league when he came in. They went far in the playoffs, actually, but that was all because their defense was amazing. But they kind of won. They kind of won in spite of him. Yeah, and they, and they had some other things going on. Well, was he there when their offense was? Or when, when yeah. they were? Okay. They had a good run game. Yeah. Haskins looked terrible, by the way, earlier this year. And then Trubisky has not looked good. Cam Newton was able to sort of win early in his career because he's just such an incredible, like, physical specimen. <laughs> like, he's, mm-hmm. you know, 250-pound quarterback who runs fast and runs guys over. So that's kind of how he, he was uh, good early in his career. But I think that, you know, there's something to, uh, you know, getting a little bit of experience playing at the college level. And Trubisky was sort of a one-year wonder in that regard. And I think they were kind of reaching – not kind of reaching. They were clearly reaching when they drafted him, where they drafted him. I actually got to ask this in my Eagles chat on Wednesday. Rank these quarterbacks from bustiest to least bustiest. Okay. Um, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Mitchell Trubisky. Uh, are we counting the fact that the Bears traded up for Mitchell Trubisky in here? You can if you want. Because I, I, I would, that's I, part I would of it. because sure. that's a huge deal. Like, that was terrible. And obviously, you know, like Watson, 
and Mahomes are like so much better. So I think that one really looks like the most egregious um, out of all of those. And yeah, so I would put him at number one. I would put Winston at number two because Jameis is also like a disaster off, off the field. field. A, yes, that's what I said in the chat. <laughs> He's a turnover machine. Jameis, I think, has I think it's thirteen or eleven interception or uh, turnovers total. He had five in, in his one last game. couple games. Yeah, he had five. Well, and then he also had two fumbles in that game. And then this past week, he had like I think, yeah. So it's eleven. It's eleven in these past two games, and that's not the only criteria here, obviously. But like Jameis, I think has always been a disaster. And I'd put Mario to third. Um, obviously, he hasn't been good, but I don't know. He's like fringe starter slash. If if Marcus Mariota is your backup, like I think that's you're feeling like pretty good about that actually. Not if you dropped him as high as he did, but like in a vacuum. I wonder how things would have gone had Tennessee agreed to trade mm. with Chip. <laughs> yeah, I don't think the probably Eagles, good. The Eagles, the Eagles don't have a Super Bowl right now. It's probably it's probably well, what would happen now. <laughs> <laughs> so what what did you rank him? I ranked him uh, Winston. Okay, that's fair. One. Mariota two, oh. Trubisky three. Only because Trubisky hasn't had as much time as the other two guys. Okay, but Winston was number one on mine for the same reason. It's not just yeah, because Jameis he's is... been not just because he's been bad on the field, but off the field, he's he's going to eat a W. He's an a hole. <laughs> it's really what it is. <laughs> Getting back into this matchup, Jimmy. One of the things looking back to the the playoff game from earlier this year, obviously, is just Allen Robinson is really a monster, and for as much as Mitchell Trubisky might struggle. You know, I, I think Allen Robinson is so good that, and you look at obviously how the Eagles receivers or what the Eagles have allowed to opposing receivers this year. Like that's still a very much legitimate concern is that I think he can have success against this secondary. Like if the Eagles lose this game, it's going to be because Allen Robinson has like just goes off. Yeah. I mean, they, they that's happened repeatedly against the Eagles. Devontae Adams, Julio it's, Jones. It's almost never not happened. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's two game two games that hasn't happened. The Jets mm-hmm. and this past week against the Bills. Every other week they've had like a receiver go up. Marvin Jones uh, for the Lions. Um, Julio Jones. Uh, Terry McLaurin for Washington. Uh, Mari Cooper obviously Stephon went Diggs. off. It's Stephon Diggs went off big time. So they they can't have Allen Robinson beat them last. So last year. They actually have pretty good balance across the board with their receivers and tight ends and running. Like Tariq Cohen was a big factor in their passing game this year, not so much. Trey Burton was a factor this year, not so much. Um, Gabriel, uh, Anthony Miller, they were both you know significant contributors last year. This year, it's just been Allen Robinson. Like he's their passing game totally runs through him. He's got five hundred something yards, and then the next guy after him, which I think is Anthony Miller is still under 200. So if, you know, obviously they're going to have to shade coverage toward Robinson because he's the guy that can beat them and will beat them if you let them. The the Bears last year, by the way, like they really wanted to attack double moves against the Eagles in that playoff game because if you remember at the time, the Eagles were getting toasted on double moves pretty routinely down the stretch. And Robinson actually got Maddox on a double move uh, for a touchdown. So... Um, I'd imagine that they'll probably go back to that this week. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, there's not really, the Bears don't scare me in any other way if I'm the Eagles uh, offensively because their offensive line isn't very good. Uh, their, their option, their skill players aside from, from Robinson just aren't very good. Their running back had a nice game this past week, but otherwise their run game has been pretty bad 
this entire season, and obviously the Eagles have been very good stopping the run, with the exception of the Dallas game. So I think it's a very favorable matchup for them on that side of the ball. Yeah, the the Bears rank 29th in run blocking and 16th in pass protection from football outsiders, also 28th in run blocking and 20th in pass protection. So similar numbers here from pro football focus. So Not a surprise. Yeah, it's another game where like the Eagles defensive line, like they did in Buffalo, um, it, it's almost similar in that way. Like you're, I'm almost expecting something similar in the sense of like they're really gonna try to put this game on Trubisky, <laughs> like they kind of did with Josh Allen, and like make them really try to beat him and, and really try to make like good accurate throws, which is not something that Mitchell Trubisky really excels at doing. So I, I like that matchup for the Eagles specifically in the trenches. There, I think this defensive line is going to be able to kind of pressure him. Uh, force him into some bad decisions, kind of ideally limit the damage that Allen Robinson can do, not giving him all day. And I think being at home will be big for this team. Uh, any other matchup notes, Jimmy? Yeah, so the, the, the one that I really like for them is at right guard, where Kyle Long went down with an injury. Kyle Long wasn't good this year before he was lost for the, lost for the season. He's on IR. They put in a guy named Ted Larson at right guard, sort of just an old, not good veteran. Think like Stefan Wisniewski, for example, uh, guard center type, and he wasn't good. He got hurt, and then they put in a guy named Rashad Coward. That's a horrible name. <laughs> not the for worst a name player. for a football player. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that incorrectly. Like maybe it's Coward or doesn't matter. Still terrible, <laughs> but it's spelled Coward. Um, they put him in. Interesting player because he was an undrafted free agent in 2017 uh, out of. James Madison, I think, a uh, defensive lineman for James Madison. He was a defensive lineman his first year in the NFL in 2017. He didn't make the team. Uh, he made the practice squad. They brought him up to the to the regular roster at the end of the season. And then they've kind of been developing. So 2018, when Matt Nagy gets hired, their offensive staff decides to convert him into sort of a developmental offensive guard. And that's kind of where he's been since. Got and so when Larson went down, they had to put him in, and he was. I guess, I guess he survived enough to the point where they're like, "All right, well, let's give this guy a shot," as opposed to putting Larson back in there. And uh, he's probably going to start this Sunday. So that's a big time matchup that the Eagles have to exploit, whether it be with Fletcher Cox or Brandon Graham on those obvious passing downs. They're gonna. The Eagles are gonna look to try to get one-on-one matchups on that guy whenever they can. Jimmy, let's take a break. We will be back after this. Back here on BGN Radio, episode eighty-nine, final segment. Brandon Lee Gowton, Jimmy Kemsky, here with you to just do one NFL pick against the spread this week, Jimmy, um, because I've been looking at the analytics and people are tuning out during the pick segment. So really? shame on you, listeners. How dare that's, you? That's what. The, that's what the anal- see. Unlike Matt Nagy, I look at the analytics, and that's what people are telling me. Um, but also, I feel like this is a game we should probably spend a little bit more time on than sure. usual, because it is the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys, coming off their bye week. They are minus seven, seven point favorites, full touchdown favorites. That's about right at the New York Giants. Jimmy, what do you got? Uh, I will take the Cowboys in that matchup. Okay, why? Because the Giants are. <laughs> you don't say yeah no i don't think the giants are uh i don't think the giants have too many wins left in them i thought they might eke out like seven wins this year 
but that's that's not looking very. What are they two and six now, Giants? Yes. And Daniel Jones was. I mean, that first game that he played against uh, what was it Tampa? Buccaneers. They went on the road, and he looked pretty good. And it was like, oh well, hey, maybe that guy's not. Maybe he's going to be pretty good. And uh, since then, not so much. <laughs> so uh, he was good against the Lions. He had four touchdowns. Oh, game. did he? Okay, I didn't really. Yeah, pay no too, interceptions. I didn't pay too much attention to that game. I guess. Uh, the Lions got a decent lead in that game, and that's probably when I was like, oh, uh, I probably tuned them out after that. But I guess, what, did they come back in that game? Yes. Daniel Jones, by the way, does have a NFL leading 13 turnovers despite only – He fumbles you know, a lot. We mentioned Carson Wentz fumbling issues early in his career. That's that's a major issue with Daniel Jones. The Lions went up 7-0 in that game because of Daniel Jones getting uh, or having a fumble there. So, How many picks does he have? Uh, he definitely has, I think, it's, is it seven? Would you say Already? his total number is 13? Yeah. So he has six lost fumbles? It's something like that. Yeah, that's, that's an issue. Um, so, But despite this, I feel like the Giants might actually at least cover this game. Okay. <laughs> very very cow- <laughs> cowardice of me to not it's even very, take them out right. It's a very lukewarm I will take, take. I will take the seven here because I think Daniel Jones – because this is why. When I, whenever I've watched these Eagles-Giants uh, matchups in the past, including in week one this year, like they, the, the, the Giants just so clearly haven't stood a chance like, at any point in the game. And I feel like Eli has been a big reason why. I feel like Daniel Jones is enough of an upgrade on Eli, despite the rest of their team being awful, that like maybe he can make this a game at least. Like Maybe he can make this competitive and at least kind of cover this here. Hey, maybe even like a backdoor cover somehow. I mean, seven's a lot, I feel like, for – for the Cowboys on the road here. And maybe I will regret this, but, uh, and by the way, I, like the Eagles would really love, like this would be great for the Eagles. Oh, if, of course. If the Giants can somehow pull this off. Like this, that would be huge um, if they could pull off the upset. So I feel like it's just been too one-sided in this matchup for a while now. And I feel like that Daniel Jones, it might not be as bad as it always has been with Eli. So that's kind of my uh, maybe wishful thinking, even if you could call it that. Eagles game, Jimmy. Uh, the Eagles over-under for this game against the Bears is 43 points, and the Eagles are five-point favorites yeah. at home. What do you got for this one? I like the Eagles to win and cover. I no think score? this game looks a lot like a nicer weather version of the Bills game last week, it, mm-hmm. at least in terms of when the Bills um, – at least in terms of when the Bears have the ball. I think they're going to have – I just don't think – Mitchell Trubisky is good. And as I mentioned already, their offensive line isn't good. They don't have skill players aside from Allen Robinson. Their run game has struggled this year, and that's sort of the strength of the Eagles' defense. And I just like the Eagles' defense to be able to, uh, dare I say, dominate this matchup. But mm. I think certainly it's a uh, it's a matchup that is very much in their favor, um, especially on the interior of the Bears' offensive line versus the interior of the Eagles defensive line, notably Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham. And I like the Eagles' chances of creating turnovers and getting points off those turnovers. And if Deshaun Jackson is back, his mere presence and the juice and the energy that the team is going to feel from that is going to carry the offense. And I think it's a very comfortable 34. Now nah, it's too much. Wow. Let's go. Let's go 29. Hmm, weird score. 29 to 13 win. Okay, I like it. They get a two-point uh, conversion at some point. That's why I'm saying 29. 
I will read you some trends here. The Eagles are 13-10 and 10 against the spread as home favorites in the Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz era. That's actually the sixth best cover percentage in that span. Okay. The Eagles are 18-5 and five straight up in those 23 games. That is the sixth best winning percentage as home favorites. The Eagles are 22-7 and seven overall at home since 2016, which is tied with the Vikings for the second best winning percentage. Only the Patriots have been better. So the Eagles are really good at home. I think that's something to remember as they are now back at home for the first time. Uh, after playing these last three games on the road. Meanwhile, when you look on the other side, the numbers aren't necessarily super indicative of anything. The Bears are 5-5 five and five against the spread as road underdogs going back to 2017. So John Fox still being there. Uh, but that's also when the Mitchell Trubisky era began. Bears are 3-7 and seven straight up in those games. So they haven't been so great on the road. Uh, although, uh, more recently, they're 2-0 and oh against the spread uh, and 1-1 one and one straight up as road underdogs since the Matt Nagy era began. And the Bears are 7-3 overall in 10 road games during the Nagy era, including 2-0 this year, although those wins did come against the Broncos, which really should have been a loss, by the way. We've talked about that earlier on the po- or earlier this year on the podcast. Yes. Where what happened in that game? Just, what, what, what happened? The Broncos got hosed. It was like a, it was oh, a total fan uh, roughing the yeah, passer. Yeah, 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 right. It was just like a regular sack or regular pressure or whatever. And it was just it was it basically gave the Bears a, a closer field goal. I think it was at the end of the game, and they won when they really just should not have. It was it was a, a big screw drop. So yes. yeah, um, they really they, they should be two and five right now. Exactly. And the other game was at Washington, so they, they're two and zero on the road, but they've beaten bad teams, and one of them really shouldn't have been a win. Uh, so with all that said, yes, I think Deshaun coming back, assuming it does happen, is really big. Like it's a it, it's huge. Like that's that's not like a minor thing. And also might be getting. Uh, it seems like Avante Maddox will be back. It seems like Timmy Jernigan might play. He was limited on Wednesday. We'll see. Uh, so they're, they're getting some reinforcements. I think they can kind of build on this Bills win. I think that was a confidence booster in a way after going on this bad road trip. I think being at home will be energizing for the team. And and, and all of that put together. And just the, the fact that Trubisky is just not it. He is so clearly not it. I like the Eagles to win this one. And I was thinking 24-17. But your confidence, Jimmy, <laughs> talk me up even more. I will say 27 to 17. Okay. Yeah, the Eagles still have their issues, but the Bears have far more issues and far worse issues, in my opinion. Agree. The quarterback thing is pretty big. Like, that's, I think that's what ultimately comes down to me. Like, am I really, who is trusting, like, Mitchell Trubisky more than Carson Wentz right now? Like, who is doing that? Why? Why would you? Not me. Jimmy, do you have any final thoughts before we close it out here? Well, this game will be already in the books by the time this is published, but who you got, 3-0 and Sixers or the 3-0 and T-Wolves? I would take the Sixers because Embiid, I like him going up against Carl Anthony Towns, and Sixers defense looking really good. What are your impressions of the Sixers so far this year, Jimmy? Have you watched them at all? I like the rookie. Matisse Thibault I, can play, man. Yeah, I like him, and I think he's going to help. And uh, they've won... I mean, they, they won that Hawks game ugly, and I feel like that's mm-hmm. a game they'd have lost the last two years. Yeah, and the Hawks have given them – they gave them trouble last year. And Hor- Horford's, Horford's awesome. Hor- Horford's a perfect player for this team. I was like – It's a big deal. Like, I liked I liked that acquisition, but only, like, mildly. I'm all in on that now. It's great. In terms of just two when Embiid's off the floor, and now, like, unlike like last year, literally – they were they were god awful when Embiid was not in the game. Mm-hmm. They didn't stand a chance. And now you have Horford there. Like it's 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 great. I've always appreciated Al Horford. Yes, um, I really have actually. Um, 
So that just about does it. I, my final thing would be, um, again, please rate, review, subscribe, all those good things to support the podcast. You know, it's a free podcast, but if you kind of would like to do something that would support the podcast, really appreciate if you do those things. Obviously, follow myself on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. We make it simple, just our names. And follow BGN underscore radio on Twitter for all the podcast updates. You can check out myself, bootinggreennation.com. You can check out Jimmy at phillyvoice.com. We will talk to you next time. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.